Hi, I'm Avril Miller, and you're listening to Gut Talks, double G, U, double T. So you spoke about humility, and a few things I want to touch on, just linking this back to how we started a little bit. So you're talking about asking the right questions. This is the most difficult, I think, thing mm. to do. I'm not going to say for everyone, but for many. It's not just about asking. Sometimes it can be confused with asking. And this goes across an organization in general, because sometimes they want to hear what they want to hear and not the reality of things from CEO to anyone in the company. And sometimes it's because they don't really know how to do it, you know, how to reverse it and see what is it here that I need to understand and ask the question from that Mm -hmm. perspective. There are two very important things there. I mean, I think I recommend everyone spends time and pays attention to, is it Marshall Rosenberg's book, Nonviolent Communication? The difference between challenge state and threat state language, the way people ask questions. I think everyone in every organization should be taken through that process and have making that psychological safety the core of the business all the time. And the second thing is that this is where humility comes into play. You have to have psychological safety first in order to bring the humility. This is why it doesn't work the other way around. And the great advantage of having been a woman all these years and being a woman in boardrooms is that the number of times I've had conversations or, you know, sometime between board meetings and another director will say, oh, I'm really uncomfortable about this. And I will bring it up. And I look around, all the male heads are down scribbling on the table because they don't want to be seen to be asking the difficult questions. My mantra has been, ever since I started doing this work with wider organisations, I have to be prepared to ask the questions that someone's going to want to fire me for. It's as simple as that. I have to be able to say, I need to ask this question. I need to understand this better. If I don't get the answer, to keep going until everyone around me lifts their heads up and says, actually, now that she's mentioned it, I'd quite like to know how. And it is not just a male-female dynamic, but it was, of course, in the past, very much the male-female dynamic. Psychological safety, nonviolent communication, and humility. And if you have those three in place, a business can move mountains. I was going to ask you as well about this male-female. So do you feel that because you're a woman, honestly, I don't know how to word this because in the world we live in today, it's very difficult if I need to add pronouns or not to what we're saying. So I just don't get it. But anyway, let's just being a woman, if you identify as a woman, do you feel that because of the way you are, you're able to tap or see or perceive specific details that men don't? I don't actually think so. I mean, I have worked with some absolutely outstanding men in my time. I mean, one of the the guy who was the chairman of my own business, Alan Wood, years ago, still an absolute hero of mine, just an extraordinary mind, incredible character and integrity and wonderful calm aura to him that made it possible to deal with any problem and any challenge. And I've worked with some very difficult women and I've maybe been with myself. I don't know. What I would say is that There are still certain pockets of the world and certain pockets of society where being female, being a woman is not an advantage. And men can still sometimes behave a bit boys clubby, but it's coming harder for them. I find my greatest inspiration and hope of all of this is my daughter who has absolutely stormed through a world full of men 
and is sitting comfortably at the top of the current forest that she's in. And I'm sure she's got many more forests to go through. I have in my time, I mean, I started as an engineer when there weren't any female engineers. I was in business in the city and finance in the 80s. Holy moly. I mean, you can't even begin to imagine what that was like. I think it is dramatically better. But I think the only thing that you can ever do is to try and be honest and true to what you feel you need to say. And at least we do have now legislation and employment law that supports people, any people who have been prejudiced against in their working environment. Can you perceive more subtle details that men can't? I think sometimes I can. I would say that what I've become aware of myself over the last 20 years in particular is the spectrum of neurodiversity across the sexes and across many types of neurodiverse capability. And I've certainly seen there are people who have much more highly empathetic, humanistic approaches to work where they get to see something which is not the cold hard fact and therefore they're able to see a nuance to things. I think women are predisposed towards that more naturally. There are also a large number of people, males, who are also neurodiverse and see that too. And it's interesting you should ask because I've spent literally decades having to get under the skin of what makes people take. And a lot of it takes a lot of time because you need to be in conversation, in proximity, in various situations and see all the diversity of their reactions to things. And I recently came across a profiling tool, a psychological profiling tool, which is about people's motivations, which my daughter told me about. And I now use that and absolutely blows me out of the water how much more quickly it shortcuts the ability to understand how is this person going to, what's their motivation going to be for how they behave in a certain situation. And that somehow, finally, after all these years, I've got a tool that I can use. Okay. Yeah, no, my question was like to you in that sense, but equally men would maybe probably see things in a different way. I try as far as humanly possible and not just because of, you know, recent developments and how we talk about people, but I try as far as humanly possible not to do too much of the men versus women because mm-hmm. I now do very much see that there were an awful lot of women who didn't get the chance to show their more assertive side because they had it tamped down for so long. And there were an awful lot of men who never had the opportunity to display what was actually not a comfortable place for them to be. And they wanted to be in a much more emotional, empathetic situation. So I I hope what's happening is that the differences will stay, but also will blend a little bit better across the board. And are there any patterns across CEOs, men or male or female, doesn't matter, that you've observed over the years that are still recurring, like in your 50, you know, odd career? Yeah, we do have a tendency and I don't know, it's bad luck, I think perhaps. Some of the characteristics, of course, lend themselves to leadership, to fighting through things, to, you know, getting in front of a team. But This is why I keep coming back to the humility thing, because it doesn't play, it not only doesn't play in today's world to behave in some of the more aggressive ways that people can behave. It's not healthy for them. It doesn't create for a very successful, sustainable, happy business. It starts with the gut. It ends with the gut. It's in your gut. Gut Talks. This is the end of this episode of this segment with Avril Miller. Thanks for listening and watch out for the next one.